It's dark outside. The night is covering the windows, and the house is empty. After Lillian came and went, Evelyn left as soon as she was able, packed a small bag, and stormed out the door. She told Goose she just needed time to think. They objected, told her that I was harmless. I don't think I believe them. But Goose, in the end, decided it went against their nature to let Evelyn leave alone. So they departed this house with her. And I am still here, and there is still something dark tied to me. Before they left, while Evelyn waited in the idling car and I watched her from the windows, Goose stopped. Their back was to the front door, their head angled slightly up as if addressing the entire house. They promised me they'd be back, and then they were gone, and then I was alone. Am I, though? Am I alone? Have I ever been? I have so many questions, Helena. I don't think I had this many questions before Evelyn and Goose came to this house. I didn't need questions. I had you. Despite all these questions, though, I have so few answers. I've gotten a few from listening to Evelyn and Goose speak, but the dark thing. They said nothing about the dark thing before leaving. I have no clues, no leads. I am a detective trapped in the dark with an impossible case to solve. Helena, without any evidence, I can only imagine. I can construct stories, unlikely and unfounded as they may be as to what has tethered itself to me. Helena, can I tell you a story? Under this house, deep under the buried basement and whatever secrets it protects, deep in the earth, a demon lies in wait. Just as a spider sets a trap, so has this demon. An intricate web of spider silk, so thin, that no one can see him binding himself to this place. He has a name, of course, but this name has been lost to time. This demon is so very old, he doesn't even remember what his creator had called him. I'll call the demon Red Eyes, for the crimson glow that emanates from his bulging eyes as he crouches in the dark. Red Eyes is ancient. Demons have existed since the very beginning, you see. Manifestations of every human vice and failing and temptation. They trick humans and trap deities and try to kill them, but always, always are defeated by a righteous hero or a vengeful god. Red Eyes is no exception. He has a counterpart, as all demons do, a goddess that is good and true in every way that the demon is a lying, scheming knave. In the beginning, Red Eyes met his enemy on the field of battle. He had no army, as his siblings were off fighting their own enemies, their own gods. But he knew his strength. He wore a suit that was a piercing white, miraculously unstained by the bloodshed it had already seen in such a short life. He carried a spear 
wielded expertly. His enemy may sound familiar to you, Helena. A glowing girl, patron goddess of lost souls and grief, who leaves trails of flowers growing in her footsteps. Everywhere she looks, dust and cobwebs flee from her gaze, replaced by a beautiful, gleaming shine. The goddess was young then, too, and from her shoulder blades, majestic white wings stretched, carrying her to the first of many battles with red eyes. It quickly became apparent that Red Eyes could not beat the goddess through brute strength alone. He tried, but her wings carried her too quickly away from his jabs with his spear and his whispered temptations in her ear. With a glance, her golden eyes burned his white suit to ash, his spear and skin beginning to crumble as he admitted defeat and ran. On that day, Red Eyes barely escaped with his life, but he swore to enact revenge on his eternal enemy. The next time Red Eyes attempted to defeat the glowing goddess, he made a plan before charging into battle. The girl had managed to evade him by flying where his spear could not reach, her wings beating the air into wind and making Red Eyes' long hair whip about and obstruct his sight. Without her wings, he figured, the goddess would be nothing more than a girl, vulnerable and easily defeated by a powerful demon such as himself. So he laid a trap. Red Eyes went to the goddess's home, a humble hut in the woods, and built an intricate cage. When the goddess tumbled into bed, metal bars would spring from the frame and hold down her wings so that Red Eyes might use a new weapon, a heavy and imposing axe, to separate the godhood from the girl. When everything was in place, he hid under the bed and waited. It took many hours for the goddess to return home. She had been out visiting her lover, and it was a very long flight to her hut. At last, just when Red Eyes was close to surrendering, the door to the goddess's bedroom creaked open, and the demon listened as footsteps padded across the bare wood floor to the bed. The goddess removed her day clothes and slipped into a nightgown, her wings pushing through holes cut in the back for ease of access. And then, finally, Red Eyes felt the mattress shift above him, and the trap sprung into action. The demon hesitated for a moment, listening to the goddess struggle in her bindings, waiting to discover if she would be able to escape. Eventually, he decided that his trap had worked as intended, and he jumped from his hiding spot to claim his trophy. When the demon's axe swung through the air, removing first one enormous wing and then the other, the goddess screamed, golden blood flowing like a waterfall from her wounds. It filled Red Eyes' demonic soul with joy. He had triumphed. The demon had finally beaten the goddess. As he stared in satisfaction and pride at the broken and bleeding wings still twitching on the floor, 
he felt a punch land on his jaw. A crack rang out in the air, and the demon turned to see the goddess, wingless but still glowing, dripping in liquid gold, standing before him. The demon fought valiantly, but even without her power of flight, the girl far outmatched him. Only when his axe was lost and the girl nearly brought it down on his head did the demon retreat, once again defeated. The demon sulked about for a long time after this loss. He had been so sure that without her wings, she would be nothing, even with her glowing eyes and her powerful form. Still, she had beaten him so easily. He would need to find something that would truly hurt the goddess. He had taken her wings, but there was something else she loved. A woman who lived far, far away from the goddess's hut, who, now that the goddess had lost her ability to fly, would be without her love for some time. This would be the perfect time to strike. When the goddess finally arrived, after several weeks of walking on foot, her feet bleeding and blistered and her legs trembling with exhaustion, she found her lover's home to be empty. She called the woman's name, but the goddess's love was gone. She knew immediately who was responsible, but she also knew that she needed desperately to rest. She would be of no help to her love in her current state, her back still bleeding slightly where the wounds had yet to scab over, her feet stripped down nearly to the bone. The goddess collapsed on her lover's bed and slept for a very, very long time. When she woke, the goddess stumbled to the kitchen and made herself breakfast, deciding that she would eat and then start the long search for her love. But as she glanced at the table, a piece of paper caught her eye. She walked closer and saw that it was from her enemy. An address was scrawled on the paper, one not far from her current location. Why would the demon tell her where he had taken her beloved? It was a trap, of course it was. Before she had lost her wings, she would not have hesitated before flying off, rescuing her lover and sending the demon fleeing yet again. But now she stopped. She had gotten lucky in the last encounter, but now her love's life hung in the balance. The goddess would have to be very careful. She ate a few scant bites of breakfast, then began the walk to the house. Upon arriving, she could sense that something was very wrong. She felt her love's presence in the house even as she kept her distance, but the girl's life was weak, drained, as if the demon had sucked everything that made her human out of her soul and left her to wander the house, dazed and barely alive. And as the goddess waited, focusing in on that feeling of wrongness, she realized what had happened. The demon had bound itself to her. The goddess could not hurt red eyes without hurting her love. This trap was his best one yet. Meanwhile, in the house, the girl was lost. 
She remembered only her lover's name and said it like a prayer in her mouth, unheard by all. Even as time passed and people came and went from the house, no one heard her. No one saw her. The girl did not question this as she could remember nothing else. And all the while, the demon sat in his little cave under the house, feeling the presence of the lost soul on the surface, waiting for his enemy to appear. He would be patient. He knew that the goddess would feel what he had done to the girl, how he had pulled her mind out and replaced it with fog, binding her soul to him. He knew that the goddess would never hurt her love. And while she hesitated to kill him, knowing that she would kill her love with him, he would strike her down for good. All he had to do was wait. I know that isn't why I'm here, Helena. I know that nothing in this story is true. Just the desperate ramblings of a lonely weaver of tales. I know that I am here, somehow, because of the man. Even if my mind can't seem to connect how, I know it in the way I hate to hear them call me by his surname. I know it in the way the static fills my head when they talk about his daughter. But wouldn't it be nice, Helena, if I am here because of your love for me? If you have left me here to protect me? If you are trying to find a way to defeat the demon that hides under this house without hurting me, you'll take me away and will walk hand in hand to your house and I will bandage your wounds and tell you... I love you. You'll kiss me, and my mind will clear, and I won't have to think about this empty house and the possibility of being alone yet again. I won't need to make up stories to fill in the spaces between the few clues I have. I won't have to miss Evelyn and Goose. I won't have to think about being able to talk to them freely. Tell them that I don't want to hurt them. Tell them that I just want... I don't know. I don't know what I want any longer. This used to be so simple, Helena. I never used to wonder about these things. I never had to think about why the man was sad or why he could not hear me. Now I am plagued by the questions I cannot answer. How did Evelyn's mother die? Will Goose make good on their promise and return? Will I be heard again? Do you hear me? What is this dark thing that is tied to me? I wonder if it can hear me. I wonder if it likes to listen to me suffer. I hope you find a way to destroy the demon and save me, Helena. But if you cannot break the rope, maybe... It would be best to kill him and set me free, even if it isn't the freedom I so often dream of. There can be a kind of freedom in destruction. For now, though, I'll wait. This story isn't over yet.
Weaver is written and produced by Newton Sweeney. This episode featured Newton Sweeney as Lorna. Our script editor is Vado Wheeler. Our production consultant, sound designer, and sound engineer is Newton Shottlecotty. Our theme is composed and performed by Raya Ming. Our cover art is by James Smith. To find cast and crew bios, links to our social media, episode transcripts, and more, check out our website at weaverpod.carrd.co for more information. Thanks for listening.